going to close out the, the series that we were doing for about seven weeks. We, we're going to close it out today, The Armor of God. There's one more segment of that that is rarely talked about in that series. And so I want to, I want to cover it today. So if you're looking in the Version app or if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians 6 again um, and looking at the, the entire passage, but just going to look specifically at one, actually one phrase in, um, in verse number 18. But let's, uh, let's look at the whole thing this morning. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Notice that it says the full armor. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All right, we've talked about all of the pieces of the armor, and today we're going to look at the phrase in verse 18, the opening phrase, and pray in the Spirit. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion with, among, among Bible scholars whether or not the prayer, that prayer is the seventh weapon in the armor. <clears throat> and the reality of it is that I don't, I don't really think that it is a piece of the armor. I really believe that we have to understand prayer uh, is not just another weapon. It is a part of the conflict itself. The prayer is a part of the conflict. And, and uh, you know, the other side of this, and to keep this in mind above everything else that I tell you today, failure to pray is the same as surrender. If you're not a praying person, if you're not a person that prays, then you may as well just raise the white flag because that's what you've done in essence by not having a prayer life. You say, well, what does it look like? And, and I'm not going to get into this, well, you've got to pray for an hour at 4 o'clock in the morning and you've got to pray this way and you've got to pray that way and you've got to do all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into that. Um, because I think all that brings is, is legalism and condemnation into a person's life. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Paul did make a, he made mention of praying without ceasing, pray always, uh, you know, and that, that's kind of confusing at times. So, cause we typically, when we want to pray, we want to close our eyes and we, and we pray and all that kind of stuff. And if you're praying without ceasing and you're driving a vehicle with your eyes closed, your insurance rates are going to go up, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> and you're going to hurt somebody and yourself too, probably. So I think, I think that there's some elements of this that, that we have to think in terms of we've got we to keep in mind that prayer is the deal. Pastor Denise, a few weeks ago, pre, uh, she preached on this passage. She did a great job teaching on prayer. But I want to deal with a specific type of prayer this morning. And it's called praying in the Spirit. Um, Paul's use of the phrase praying in the Spirit means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in prayer by using the devotional gift of tongues. Now, for those of you, and we have a lot of folks that come up in non-Pentecostal churches, I get it. Don't leave. Chill out. It's going to be okay. Um, you know, some of you grew up in a tradition that you were told that tongues is of the devil. Uh, some of you grew up in a tradition that says that tongues died out with the apostles. All of these kind of things. Neither of which is true. Um, 
You, you, it's hard to make that argument when it comes to Scripture. It's really hard to make that argument. Uh, the prophet Joel prophesied that this is going to be the thing that happens, and it's going to be for generations and generations and generations and generations and generations. We see it happening in the book of Acts. We see it happening all through the New Testament. It's a reality of the life of a believer. Jesus said, one of the last things he said was that you're going to all the world and preach the gospel. In your name, you're going to do all this list of things. And one of the things in that list, you know, is you're going to lay hands on the sick. You're going to speak with new tongues. So it's hard to look at it and go, well, that's no longer applicable to us today when Jesus said, do this. You know, it's kind of like the tithing argument. People argue, you know, and, and I, I heard one of the national televangelists recently say this, he changed his mind on the tithing. I don't, I don't get hung up whether tithing is an Old Testament principle or a New Testament principle. It is an Old Testament principle. It precedes the law. It was before the law, so it's not, not, a, not a legal thing that we deal with. But it's hard to justify doing away with tithing and the concept of tithing when Jesus said you should tithe. I mean, it's in red. Jesus said it. <laughs> I don't think he meant that. I don't know how you exegete you should tithe any different than you should tithe. Um, if he said you'll speak with new tongues, then I think that's a part, of, a part of the thing. Now, here's what I want you to understand this morning. This is what I want you to do. I want you to just listen today. If this has not been your tradition, I want you to just listen. If it has been your tradition and you came out of the tradition that I, I grew up in, which extreme Pentecost, traditional Pentecost, where it was, it was church services sometimes seemed like a free-for-all, and everybody was speaking in tongues, and everybody was running around and hooping and hollering and doing all, all these kind of things. And I, I'm proud of my heritage. I love, I'm fifth generation Pentecostal. And I'm very proud of that. However, at some point about 15 years ago, some of us began to realize that the very thing that drew people to the early church was repelling people from the church in the 21st century. And it's because of the excess and extreme. And we, we've gotten hung up in the traditional Pentecost, and we rarely bring our Pentecostal perspective and Pentecostal ideologies back into Scripture. So what we try to do at GenU is be biblically Pentecostal. And biblically Pentecostal and traditional Pentecostal doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. Depending on, I mean, there are some people that believe if you don't speak in tongues that you're not even going to heaven, which is just beyond me how you can believe that. But people do. People do. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pop you this morning. I just want you to relax and just listen to this teaching because there's an element, there's an element of Christianity, there's an element of biblical discipleship that many people miss out on because of their tradition. And that is that they've relegated something that God says is very important in the life of the believer to some extreme wing or that it doesn't exist anymore or something like that. Because here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Uh, one, of the, one of the scholars in our country today, his name is Gordon Fee, and he's one of my favorite authors, but he says this. What Paul says about this kind of praying in 1 Corinthians 14 and, and demonstrate that he engaged in it regularly and urged believers in Corinth to do as well. Same is true of Romans 8. This is more specific. Praying in the Spirit is in view. Okay, now here's, here's what I want you to understand. Then one must be prepared to enlarge one's understanding of the nature of such prayers as a way of engaging the enemy in ongoing conflict. 
The opening thing of this series says this, put on the full armor of God. In other words, that means use all the resources that God has at our disposal. So if God has an, a resource at your disposal that will enable you to be more victorious in, your, in, your, in the conflict that we all face against the enemy, then why would we not engage in that? Why would we not say, I need that or I want that? Instead of discounting it as something that died off years and years and years ago, centuries ago. Or that's not even something that's applicable today because it's, it's very applicable. Very applicable. And we're going to see that today. 1 Corinthians 14. Here's where, here's where some of the... the, the the problem with, with the gift of tongues, especially in the public setting, and we'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute, comes into play. Because for years we've used the term in Pentecostal Assembly of God, whatever Pentecostal branch you, we've used the term, well, the message in tongues. And the, and the problem with that is that there's nothing that resembles that in the Bible. There's nothing that resembles that. Oh, there's, there was a message in tongues this morning, an interpretation. Well, what do you do with 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2? For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. So what do you do with that? If, it's, if, if we view it as someone speaks in tongues and someone interprets it and it's thus saith the Lord, blah, 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 blah. It, it, it doesn't fit. Now you can't build doctrines around one passage of scripture, but you can certainly shoot holes in one with a passage. So the message in tongues is not something, even though it's been our practice in most Pentecostal circles for years and years and years, it doesn't fit in the biblical context of how the gift of tongues is supposed to operate. All right? Everybody okay? Once again, I feel my credentials hanging by a thread. You drop down to verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 14. And he says this, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. 14, verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Romans 8, I'm giving you a bunch of scriptures here. Hopefully you're following along. If you're not, you get on you version, they're all there. Romans 8, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we should pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. A weak prayer life and an occasional grocery list of petitions are surely not effective when it comes to spiritual warfare. When the enemy is throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at you, and all hell is breaking loose in your life, and all you have is a list of, give me this, give me this, do this for me, do that for me, help me out of this mess, blah, blah, amen. Or just an occasional passing thought of prayer is not going to help you when life is turned upside down. Um, We've got to lean more heavily on praying in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit in personal prayer and intercession. So how do we do that? How, are we, how do we pray in the Spirit? A lot of people have said about this, they said, well, this is not referring to you know, praying in tongues. This is, this is more referring to being just being led by the Spirit. And, and I, I have to disagree with that because it says pray in. Pray in the Spirit. Not don't pray by the Spirit, pray in. 
So there's a difference. There's a delineation that happens in just being led to pray for something, which anybody, any believer can do. And, and in spiritual warfare or in your prayer closet, when you are literally praying under, as the spirit gives utterance to pray in an unknown language. I'm, I don't discount the public use of the gifts of the Spirit. I think that they're, they're for today. But the thing that we have, uh, that most Pentecostal circles have literally thrown out the window is everything must be done decently in an orderly fashion. We threw that out the window years ago. And it just became a free-for-all and everybody was coming in and everybody was prophesying, everybody was speaking in tongues, everybody was doing all this kind of stuff. And unbelievers are coming in and going, <laughs> you're nuts. And, and just leave. Which is where, where the thing that repelled, that, that drew people in, in Acts is repelling people in the 21st century because we didn't do it the way the Bible informs us to do that. And there is an order to it. There is an order to everything. Everything in life. Have you ever been around someone who literally has just chosen that their life is not ordered by anything at all? Anybody know anybody like that? There's no structure, there's no order. Don't really want to hang around those folks much, do you? For a little while, they're a lot of fun. Then all of a sudden, hmm, it gets, what? what's the word? Annoying. Annoying. So we're talking, we're talking about praying in the Spirit. So where do, we get, where do we begin to be able to pray in the Spirit? And it begins with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you go to Jerusalem, you hang out there until the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be endued with power. And then in Acts 2, he says, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in other tongues. That's what happened. Do I have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, I will tell you this, that the most common manifestation of that experience in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament is the gift of tongues. But you also see 100% of the time that prophesying accompanies that. In most of the cases in the book of Acts, it said they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues and prophesied. Over and over and over throughout the book of Acts. You say, well, you're just kind of walking, you're treading water here, Phil. Nobody knows that any more than me when it comes to the doctrines of the assemblies of God, which is we're partners with the assemblies of God as as a church. Matter of fact, years ago when I first started teaching this, I was turned into our district and called on the carpet in front of the, the leadership and had to go over there and explain what I've been teaching you for six or eight months. At the end of six months, when their investigation was over with, cleared of all wrongdoing and heresy. <laughs> Thank be to God. And I challenge people, and, I, and I've challenged people all along since that time, and I, and I do today too. I'm telling you it, that, that if you can show me where I missed it here, I'll apologize and I'll stop it. But after 20 years of studying this out and believing this, I believe that there there is a biblical way to go about experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there's a biblical way to use the gifts of the Spirit. And it doesn't have to bring craziness and weirdness and and disorder and, and chaos and mayhem into the public worship setting. It doesn't have to do that. Because it's never meant to do that. It's meant to enhance on the flip side, it's been a gauge of churches for years. Well, the Holy Spirit was there. We had three people speaking in tongues and five prophecies. And we go, oh, God was in that place. As opposed to when it didn't happen at all, God wouldn't be there, I suppose. But that's not the criteria of God being in a place. As a matter of fact, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, what? I am there. 
But we viewed gifts as trophies instead of the tools to advance the kingdom and to be successful in spiritual warfare. So it begins with that. The gift of tongues is one gift, but it has two uses. There's a public use and there's a private use. My personal opinion, and I'm just telling you this, and I believe I can back it up biblically, it is my belief that the gift of tongues is most useful in the private devotional life of the believer. Pray in the Spirit. Now, the public use, let's talk about that first. The public use has parameters. If it's used in public, then it's got to be interpreted. And it has to be used in a limited way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, he said if you're going to do this, two, at most three, but there must be an interpretation in turn. Now, if you, how many of you have been around Pentecostal churches a lot? Let me see your hand. Okay, about a third, looks like. Um, you probably have been, uh, been around this where some, you, you have someone that speaks in tongues out loud. Basically, you're in a church service like this, and all of a sudden somebody just goes, blah, 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 blah. Okay? When that happens, then there's supposed to be, biblically, an interpretation then and there. That happens, interpretation happens. But now keep in mind, he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God. It's not a message. He who speaks in a tongue speaks to God, not man. So the interpretation must be what? To God. It would be a praise, a prayer, or an exaltation. It's not a thus saith the Lord. Bloom. There's a whole other teaching on using the, you know, thus saith the Lord. You get in a lot of trouble with that. I'm not going to get into that today. Just tickle your appetite just a little bit. But in the public, gift of tongues, gift of interpretation. There's a second one, gift of tongues, interpretation. Third one, at the most, three, gift of tongues, gift of interpretation. They must be accompanied every time. And each in turn is what Paul said. But some of us have been in services where gift of tongues, gift of tongues, gift of tongues, and then, you know, and as a pastor, and I, I did this years ago because I didn't know any better. I hadn't studied this out. I just was assuming my tradition was in full intact, biblically. The problem with that is that you don't get, well, this is the second part of the message. It doesn't work like that. This is a piece of it. The gift of tongues was a piece of it. The gift of tongues was another piece of it. And then, the third, and then there was, No. No. Well, you're being legalistic with this. Well, here's the problem. When God says that everything must be done in a decent and orderly fashion and he sets the formula or sets the form the way it's supposed to work, then we go, what do we do? We go, well, I don't think he meant that. No, we have to operate in that way. What happens if a planet gets out of whack in the orbit? It throws everything out of whack. The reason that we have, that we've orbited the earth in spacecraft is because they know exactly how to do that. But if something happens and they get kicked out of orbit, guess what happens? Bye-bye, baby. It messes everything up. Everybody okay this morning? All right, this is not one of them, hey, hallelujah, preachy, preachy, preachy thingies. This is a teachy thing this morning. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. 1 Corinthians 14, 32, the spirit 
of the prophets are subject to the prophet, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all congregations of the Lord's people. Here's the thing, and I've heard this my whole life, and it's just not right. Well, I just can't help it. When I feel the Holy Spirit coming on me, I've just got to speak out in tongues, out loud in front of everybody. That's not biblical. But if you grew up in, in traditions like a lot of us have, then you, then you know in Pentecostal circles, if there's the slightest bit of lag in a service and things get a little quiet in a moment, somebody's going to go, who stole my Honda? Now, I'm not being facetious. I'm just trying to help you understand this morning, okay? I'm not making fun of anything. There is the gift of the Spirit. There is the gift of tongues. There is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is necessary. It is something that is needed. And if you're going to be effective in spiritual warfare, it is the last piece of the conflict that you need to have in place in your life so that when that time comes and you don't know necessarily how to pray in your native language of English or whatever it is, that through the Holy Spirit you can pray to God and God will pray through the Holy Spirit in accordance with His will. That's what we just read. It's valuable, but what we would have in the slightest moment of, of hesitation in a service, somebody would go, boom. And if you weren't accustomed to that, scare you to death. All of a sudden, somebody just pops up and they're speaking in gibberish. Years ago, when I was a teenager, I was dating this young girl. She went to the Baptist church downtown. And she was a sweet little girl. I brought her to church one Sunday night. And of course, you always pray, if you, if you were dating a non-Pentecostal girl, you always prayed when you went to those services, please God, don't let one of them services happen tonight. <laughs> you just prayed that. You did. Anyway, I brought her to church, and, and of course, one of them services happened, and it was, whew, it was wide open. It was wide open. And I looked over at this little girl sitting next to me, and she was scared to death. She was crying. Service started winding down. She said, Take me home. All the way home. She didn't say a word. She got out of the car. She ran in the house. Next day I saw her at school and, I, and she, she said, I've never said, scared. What is, what were they all saying? What was that noise, that, that language? They were all, it was just. And so I spent a great deal of time explaining to her what had gone on. And, and you know what? The thing about it is, is that, that there was no malice in, in traditional Pentecost. There's no malice in traditional Pentecost. There's no malice in it whatsoever. It's just, we, it was passed down from one generation. This is how it happens. This is how we do this. This is what happens. And so we just accepted it. And, and then, and I did too. And then about 20 years ago, I started really kind of trying to figure it out. Because there's always been something that nagged at me that I couldn't understand. And after a couple of years of intensive study, I came to the realization that we're not operating biblically when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Which is why I've spent the last 15 years here trying to bring correction and truth into our experience of Pentecost. In public, there are some very stringent parameters. In private, though, those parameters are off the table. There are no parameters other than it's just private. The gift can be used at will. You mean I can choose? Yes, you can. You, you, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets. You can choose. In your private book, you choose. 
which means that in public, you have to choose not to draw attention to that gift if you're using here. Now, sometimes if you walk past me on Sunday morning over here where Kim and I usually sit and we're in worship, sometimes you'll hear me under my breath praying in my prayer language and singing my prayer language. But I'm not drawing attention to that. Okay? Because if I did, then there has to be the gift of interpretation in place. We tracking so far? Okay, some of you are nodding your head. Some of you are going, ah! But the private use, and this is where spiritual warfare comes into play. And the praying in the Spirit is very important in spiritual warfare because in the private use, it is for the purpose of personal edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. It's a personal prayer. It's a personal praise. It's a personal exaltation. Once again, Paul said, what shall I do? Shall I, I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit. I will sing with my understanding. These are things that happen in our private devotional life. And we are speaking, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. And indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So you're going through hell and you're going through all kinds of stuff and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you don't have any more English to pray, then you, 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 you step into your prayer language. And you pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. There have been seasons, I can tell you this from a personal experience, there have been seasons in my life where I have gone months and months and months. And other than saying the blessing, which you guys know is pretty quick, over food, I haven't prayed in my prayer closet, in my prayer time, I haven't prayed a word in English for months and months and sometimes over a year. Because I just didn't know how to pray about the situation, whether it was a leadership situation or a family scenario or something like that. And, and I don't know how to pray. But I can tell you this, that after praying in my prayer language and my devotional gift for a season, that I feel better when I'm done. Why? Because the Spirit has been edified. I have been lifted up in my spirit. And what you and I need more than anything else when we're going through warfare is to have something somewhere along the way that picks us up just a little bit. Gives us a little bit more strength so that we can go a little bit further in battle. That's what it's for. That's the purpose of it. That's the reality and the most important aspect of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that it opens the door to the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of tongues in the private devotional life of our... You say, well, what about... If you're praying, if your spirit's out of... You don't need the interpretation. You don't need that. That's only for public stuff. That's only for public stuff. I've been there so many times, and I'm serious this morning, and I'm telling you straight up that when we operate this way, it brings a whole other dimension to our spiritual warfare. You've got all the armor on, and you've got the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit in your hand, and then you layer in prayer in the Spirit, and listen to me this morning. You are an unbeatable follower of Jesus Christ. Because it adds power to the scenario. Power to the scenario. It adds uplifting to the scenario. You can be in a battle and you can be losing that battle and all of a sudden you begin to pray in your prayers and you're edified and you're built up and you're stronger than you were before you started. Why? Because that's how the gift works. 
That's how the gift works. Everybody okay this morning? Everybody all right? All right. Let's stand. You say, is that all there is? Oh, no. No, no. Some of you this morning are going to have a fresh new experience with God. Some of you in this house this morning, some of you in this house, that you were raised in a tradition that told you that this died out with the apostles, you're going to have a fresh new experience with God that you didn't, you didn't even know existed if you're open to it. Remember, put on the full armor of God. Use all the resources at our disposal. All of them. Well, how do I get there? Well, I'm glad you asked that question this morning. Because keep in mind, it's something that you've got to choose. You have to choose. You have to choose to speak in your new language, the spiritual language, your prayer language. You've got to choose to do that. It says this in Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That word enable there is the same word for prompt that they use in theatrical productions where there is a person off the side with cue cards that are prompting them to say their next line. That's how it works. God speaks to you in your mind. You choose to speak what you hear audibly. I want to ask you this morning, is there anybody in the room today? Anybody in this house? Let's bring the house lights down if we can, guys. You say, I don't want to be weird. You're not going to be weird. I don't want anything to jump on me. Nothing is going to jump on you. Nobody's going to stand over you and speak in tongues in your ear and say, say this. We're not going to do that. But our prayer team is going to come in just a moment. Matter of fact, go ahead, guys. Y'all go ahead and make your way to the front. Prayer team, any staff that's in the room this morning, go ahead and come on down because here's what we're going to do. We're simply going to follow the New Testament model. We're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to simply pray, receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit over you. They're not going to speak in their prayer language over you because we want this to be as authentic as it can possibly be. You got people standing over you, speaking in tongues over you. You don't know if it's the Holy Spirit prompting you or you're just hearing what somebody else is doing. We're not going to do that. We're not going to hype you up this morning with real fast music. Everybody's hooping and hollering and getting, no, it's not, nothing like that. Because it doesn't have to be that way. Our prayer for you is that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, which opens the door to your prayer language to enable you to pray in the Spirit to be a more effective warrior for Jesus Christ and in your personal life. If you're in this house this morning and you would like to receive that experience, would you come right now? Somewhere in the house, anybody. Say, ah, that's weird, Phil, I'm not going to do it. That's okay. Not weird. I received the baptism of the Spirit in my truck going down the highway when I was 19 years old. It changed my life. It changed my life. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah. 
It's another layer. It's another layer. Yeah, come on. People are coming. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Let's see. Why don't those of us that are still here just reach your hand this way and just begin to pray for these that are that are seeking this experience this morning? Number of folks down here around the front. Father, just fill them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, Father. Open their mind, open their heart, God, to the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of tongues, their private devotional gift in their life, God, so that they in warfare can pray in the Spirit, so that in times of distress, Father, they can be edified. God, utilize this moment in time right now, Father. This moment in time. This moment in time. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just receive it in this house today. Receive it in this house today. Receive it in this house today. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Receive it in this house today, Lord Jesus. Receive it in this house. Yes, oh God. Yes, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise, O oh Lord. Yeah.
some things there's a couple of things that I want all of you to know this morning those of you that came down those of you that are still here some of you some of you are still trying to mull this over and go I, that, I'm not sure about all that and that's okay there's no pressure here but I want I want you to understand that, that it's that's the Holy Spirit enables as he prompts you there's a point in time when you have to choose to speak. And you can't speak two languages at the same time. So you've got to stop praying in your, lang- your English and pray in your prayer language. And basically, it's just it's very simple. It's not anything that's odd. You just you hear something in your mind. You hear a word or you just hear a phrase or sometimes it just sounds like a sound maybe. At some point, you just choose to speak that. And from there, your language is developed. And it's very, very, very useful in spiritual warfare. It's unbelievably useful in your private devotional life. But I'm going to tell you something. Where it seems to shine more than anything else is when you're going through hell. And you need something to just kind of build you up. And that prayer language does that in that moment. Because the, the biblical principle of praying in tongues is simply this, that as the Spirit gives that under, that it's the Holy Spirit praying in accordance with the will of God. And you may not know what that is, but the Spirit does. And so when you're praying, you're, you're praying in accordance with God's will in your life. And, so, and then as you do that, then the rest of us comes into alignment with God's will and we're lifted and we're built up. You say, well, I didn't speak in tongues today. That's okay. It's all right. You will. There'll be a point in time when you go. Had a guy here a year or so ago. He was in the army. He got stationed at Fort Knox, and he came to our spirit lab a year before last when we did spirit lab. And and he didn't. He wasn't sure. He and I had many conversations. And after, you know, and he came down that night. And we prayed for people to receive the baptism, and he didn't receive his prayer language that night. And about three weeks later, I got a text at five fifteen in the morning. Pastor, I just spoke in tongues for the first time. And I go, yeah, dude, there you go. There you go. Why? Because this, it, if it didn't happen right now, ah, something wrong with me. No, it's okay. It basically boils down to this. You believe that it's a real thing that is for you. You receive it. At some point, but in between the believing and receiving, you just got to breathe. You just got to breathe. Take a deep breath and let the Spirit prompt you. Amen? All right. Great time in the Lord today. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together and then we'll get you out of here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.